to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So, let's live our best lives, one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi, everybody. We are so glad you are here today. Welcome to Episode 9 of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing well. You know, can I just say, by the time this episode airs, will be this is Episode 9, and right. we just released Episode three this week, like yesterday. And I just want to tell everybody like how much fun I'm having. And like Jen and I, we don't, I'm going to be honest. We don't really know what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) I know what I'm doing. What do you mean? I mean, like (laughs) we've never done a podcast with like this format before. Oh, that's true. Every week we learn a little bit more. It's a new format for us, for me. Yeah. Even though I have two other podcasts, it's different. Totally new for me. Right. But like, we're just having fun. And I love when the community members give us feedback and they tell us like that they feel like they're sitting down with us and having coffee with us and we're just chatting. And that was like totally how I envisioned the podcast feeling. That's like the vibe I wanted. Because like Jen and I, we hang out and we talk, we have these great conversations. And then like, we're like, want to share those conversations with other people, but it's just her and I. So like, this is us. This is like what we talk about. It's true. It is what we talk about. We're kind of geeks. Like (laughs) We're just passionate about learning about like anything that can make life better or, you know, just enrich the lives of not only us and our families, but like the people around us and our communities. And so it just feels really good. Like when people are, are, they get what we're doing and, and they're excited to, hear what we're talking about. I think so too. And I, I feel like it's, it's kind of a unique format out there. It's a different kind of podcast and I'm I'm glad to be able to bring it to people. Yeah. We're lifelong learners. We are very much normal people who love to tell our friends about what we like and what we've learned. (laughs) You know, that's what we've done our whole lives. Me, definitely. I'm a a teacher. I like to teach things to people. I'm the the scientist. I'm the experimenter. So I'm the person that's always like dabbled in this and dabbled in that. And I often don't tell people what I'm doing or what I'm learning about or like, so I dive into something and I learn about it and then I try it and then I experiment a little and then, or even like a product, I'll try a new product. I'll be like, I really love this, but I'm not going to recommend it yet. Right. Because, oh, me, me too. I, I have to make sure I really love it before I share it with anybody. Well, you know, I've always been someone who shares, like I love to look at my Facebook memories. And of course, now I have, you know, podcast sponsors and I share the things that I love if, if they happen to be a sponsor. But I look back, you know, 
2009, I guess, when I was first on Facebook, I was still doing that. Uh I'm like, you know, when I first started with my first meal delivery company as a customer, way before I had Facebook groups or podcasts or anything, I'm like, I'm trying Home Chef and I love, you know, and my friends are like, I'm going to try it too. (laughs) Like, here's a code for a free box. I mean, you know, I just have always loved to share things with other people. And so that we get to do it as a job. We're so lucky. We are lucky. We get to talk. And it's fun. (laughs) It really is fun. So thank you all for listening. We're grateful that you are here. So Jen and I have been talking that we would love to do sort of a A book study. Book study. Yeah. So there's a book that I read that was really just eye-opening and I hate to say life-changing, but it really was sort of life-changing for me. And that is The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And I know a lot of people have read it and they, you know, recommend it to people all the time in both your Facebook groups and our Facebook group. So we just thought there's a lot of people too who haven't read it. And I have not read it. I still haven't read it. I ordered it and I have it. It's on my shelf, but I haven't read it. Well, it's a great, it's an easy read, but it's also one of those reads that really makes you kind of think and kind of reassess how you think think and react to things in your life and how you talk to yourself, really. So anyways, I think it's a great book that everybody should read. So we decided to make that like our first bookstore study book. So we're telling you about it now. It's the end of January. We want to give you time to get a hold of a copy of the book, whether you get it from your library, you order it from Amazon. And then in the Facebook group in March, we'll start posting some questions and do some little book study activities within the group. At the end of March, early April, Jen and I will record an episode and we will share with our listeners just really our community feedback on the book and how it has helped them in some way. And really just, we want to inspire people to really live their best lives. And I really think like this is like a great building block for that. Yeah. So the book is The Gifts of Imperfection. It's by Brene Brown. If you've never read her stuff, she's really, she, okay. If Jen and Brene were to get in a room, first of all, nobody would stop talking. They would <laughs> like, you guys have the same energy. Yeah, I've heard that before. So if you like Jen, you'll like <laughs> Brene Brown. She's very real. She tells it like it is. She's really humble and she's just a fun She's a fun energy. So, well, I can't wait to read it because I, I actually have heard people have said, you remind me of Brene Brown. And so I can't wait to read it and see. I can't believe I've never read anything of hers. <laughs> yeah, I can't but, believe that either. I mean, I've just been so focused on intermittent fasting for the yeah. past so many years that that's what I, you know. So I'm really excited about it. So yay, The Gifts of Imperfection. Yeah, I actually read, her first book I read was Daring Greatly. And in that book, she references the guidepost from The Gifts of Imperfection. And so I was like, I'm I'm missing something here. Mm -hmm. So I went back and read it. And then I reread Daring Greatly and it kind of came together better. So yeah. Well, I look forward to that. Good. So today's good news segment comes from our Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry Facebook community. A member, Janelle Edmiston, she posted a request to our community members a few weeks ago, and she wrote, I'm wondering if anyone would be willing to send my dad a Christmas card. He just went into an Alzheimer's care home, and when he gets mail, he will read it over and over and over. 
If there are a lot of cards, I will ask the care home to distribute them to the other residents who don't get much mail or just give him a few a day so he has mail through the coming months. I would really appreciate it. You don't need to write anything. He'll just enjoy reading your name. So this week, she followed up with an update about her dad, Rod, and she shared an email from the nurse with the group, and the nurse just described him opening the cards and how delighted he was, and she sent some pictures of him opening this giant pile of cards that was laying at his feet, and she said um, there's been over 200 cards received, and he even received some trinkets, and these came from as far away as Paris, France in Northampton, UK. So after he opened up several cards and packages, he ended up sharing the rest of the cards with the other residents. And they all spent an afternoon opening the cards and reading them together and just sharing in the excitement together. That's just an amazing story. And it made me so happy to see it in the group. Yeah, I couldn't believe I saw her post that request. And I was like, Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I could not even believe the number of people who then followed up and said, card sent. So, And seeing the photo of him surrounded by those cards. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thank you, community. So listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life tell us an amazing story, or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Before we get to the Life Lesson of the Week, I want to share about a company that Jen and I not only love, but that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. For many years, I've been proactive about beauty products that not only perform well, but don't cause potential long-term harm to my health. And in my search for clean beauty products, I found myself buying various products from different companies that fit the bill. I used an app called EWG, and it would give a a score. And it would either... I have that app too. It's a great app. Yeah. And so you want the highest score or you want this green EWG verified, which means it doesn't contain any ingredients that are harmful. And so what I found was I was buying, you know, a product from this company and a product from that company. And I, I wasn't able just to go to one place to get my health and beauty products. And in addition, a lot of manufacturers change their formula. And so you would constantly have to look to make sure the formula hadn't changed or you wouldn't even know if it was up to date. And so I recently switched all my makeup and shower products to Beauty Counter because they're all EWG verified. Beauty Counter was founded on a mission to make skincare and makeup products that are safe for your skin. They have vetoed the use of over 1800 different ingredients that are used today due to long-term health concerns. Yeah, they actually call that the never list. And it's a list of things that will never be in any of their products. And and I love that they've done the work for us. Right. You know, I'm really big on decision fatigue. Me too. And so anything I can do that just eliminates the need for me to make choices and decisions and, you know, research is great. So basically, it just simplifies my life. Um, I've tried some other clean beauty brands over the years, and they just... They either caused me to break out. One made me get a rash on my face or, you know, I work 12 to 15 hours in the ER and halfway through the night, my makeup would be smearing off my face and running and just look awful. So I was really resistant to try Beauty Counter for that reason. I was like, eh, I don't think they're going to work, but Jen got me on board. Well, I I was the same way. I was resistant too when Melanie got me on board, but... (laughs) 
Yeah. I love their skin twin foundation. It just looks like my skin. Like you can't tell I'm wearing foundation. It just looks like I have beautiful airbrush skin. Um, it's flawless and perfect. So um, the concealer is awesome. The shampoo and conditioner I love. And I was just noticing earlier, Jen, I can see Jen on camera right now. Her hair has gotten so voluminous. True. Yeah. It does look really good, doesn't it? But I feel like your hair used to always look a little stringy. Well, I think it did. Thank you. <laughs> and now it's like full and shiny. Yeah, it's good shampoo. It really does look great. And I'm not just saying this because I love beauty counter. I mean, like your hair. Really <laughs> it's great. true. My hair does look great. I'm wearing a sweatshirt and I'm a little grubby, but my my hair looks fabulous. And I was noticing that earlier. Good. So anyway, the shampoo conditioner I highly recommend. And then my poor hands right now are a mess. It's not only wintertime, but I use so much hand sanitizer at work that they're just red and raw. And I actually use their melting body balm on my hands, and it feels amazing, and it smells great, and my hands thank me for it. So if you are interested in getting some beauty counter and trying it out, you can go to our website at lifelessonscommunity.com. Go to things we love. Go to the shop with us tab. And there's a link there for beauty counter. We really love it. Oh, by the way, their new deodorant just came out. Oh, I'm I saw so that. excited. Anyway, I've been on a lifelong struggle to try to find natural deodorant. Me too. And I finally have. So anyway, I love it. All right. I'll have to give it a try. Yeah. I've yeah. Tried, I did notice I've tried a couple of natural deodorants and they're okay for a little bit, but then I start, they irritate my skin. Right. And um, I did notice that they had like, so Beauty Counter like surveys their users and then they'll have like, you know, you know, 80% of users said this, but it said 100% of users report no skin irritation. Yeah. So that's I important. really kind of was like, oh, okay. That's good to know. So it is now time for our life lesson of the week. This week's topic is smart money. How can you make the most of your money, make a budget and stick to it and get out of debt? We will be talking with Amy Heller. Amy is a financial coach who works with people on identifying financial goals and then helps them set up their budgets to help them reach these goals. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're so glad to have you. Yay. Start off by just telling our listeners, you know, a little bit about yourself, how you got into this and, and some of your history, and then we'll go into to what you can help our listeners with. Okay. Sounds good. The financial coaching came about about five years ago. I divorced my husband and I was terrified about how I was going to take care of myself and my son at the time. I was only working part-time. He had a very hefty income, so I was walking away from that. And I just knew that I had to get a control of my finances in order to provide a decent life for my son and I. So I just started creating a budget and living by it. And it was just like six months in, it, I could see that it was really going to work. And it took so much stress off of me, knowing I had a plan with my money and it was going to get us to where we needed to be financially. And it felt great. And then from there, I decided to become a coach because I can teach people how to do this. I've always liked organizing. Give me a good junk drawer and I'll go at it. And it occurred to me, budgeting was like organizing numbers and it was this light bulb moment. And I'm like, I can do this with other people. And that's what I love to do. 
I love that, uh, the analogy of, you know, we have a financial junk drawer. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so many of us. And we have no idea how much is coming in, how much is going out, how much we're wasting. Yes. You know, the, the latte factor, I've heard it called. You know, we just oh, yeah. spend the money. We don't know where it's going. So that's wonderful. I love that you took that, that scary leap and oh. you didn't know what you were going to do. Yeah. It was very scary. It's a long time ago, I heard something somewhere where you should do things that scare you because you grow from that. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. It's all scary, but you just push past it and you grow and learn. But yeah. it can be scary for a lot of people because they don't want to face it. Mm -hmm. And I was there. Like I, in my first marriage, there was a lot of financial issues brought about mainly for my ex. He had a spending mm -hmm. problem. And I just was constantly buried in debt, I felt like. And um, I never felt like as, you know, as hard as I worked, I couldn't get ahead, couldn't get ahead. And my method of dealing with it was just to not de deal with it. Right. I was so overwhelmed and I didn't know where to start or how to. I also didn't. He wasn't on the same page as I was financially and he didn't right. have the same goals I had and we could not ever get on the same page. So I just was like, OK, well, this is just going to be a problem forever and there's nothing I can do about it. And I just buried my head in the sand. And then when I you know, divorced him and and started a new life, I was like, we're not doing that anymore. And it's almost like as scary as it was to start by having a plan, I became way more empowered with my money and my financial choices. And I can tell you that like as hard as it is to have a budget and have a plan and stick with it and knowing where to start, it also is a huge stress relief. Absolutely, yeah. A lot of people tend to think budgets are restrictive but they actually define what you're doing with your money, which in turn gives you freedom. You have permission to spend the money because you know where it's going. And that is a huge stress relief. Yeah, I believe that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So when you start off with somebody, you know, and you're helping them identify their financial goals, what you, where do you start? What, what do you do with a new client? Well, it just depends. Well, I always ask, what are your goals? Well, most people are in debt. So most people say, oh, I want to get out of debt. But then I try to dig deeper to find out, well, why do you want to get out of debt? That money that you're paying towards your debt, well, where would you like to see that money go? Do you want to see go into retirement, your college fund for your kids, a great vacation? Do you want to pay off your house quicker? What does that look like for them? And sometimes people can't answer. They're not really sure. They just know they want the debt gone. But they really have to think about if you have this extra money once your debt's gone, what do you really want to do with it? Money can be fun. You can do fun stuff with it. Fun stuff for you might be paying off your house or it might be going to Hawaii. It's different for everybody. That's a great point. You know, and and money is meant to be enjoyed, but if you're stuck in that cycle of debt, you have a hard time enjoying it because you know that the debt is just getting worse and worse and worse. Correct. Or they just can't see the end. Right. They just think that's going to be their way of life. And it doesn't have to be. Yeah, it could be a challenge to get there, but it's completely doable. But you said that most people start off and they are in debt when they come to you. Mm -hmm. Correct. So what are the first steps you make to help people reach their goals? Well, it's a matter of setting up a budget and finding out whether or not they have a uh, spending issue or an income issue. Because some people 
might just be spending too much money. And that could be, I don't want to say easy to rein in because it can be challenging. People like to spend money. Or if it's an income issue, maybe it's a matter of you need to pick up a side job or look for a different job or work a couple more hours to bump up that income. So you kind of have to decide which side you want to work on, or maybe it's both at the same time. But it's you don't want to overwhelm someone either. Try to give them small steps to take. That way they can get those wins in and see what kind of progress they can make. Mm-hmm. So what do you have any little tips and tricks for like just whittling down um, like household expenses that like people are paying without even really thinking about it? Like where do you see that a normal household can adjust and maybe modify their spending in one category to help them move forward with their financial goals? Is there like one particular place where you constantly are like, "Uh uh-huh, yep, this is where you are overspending and you might need to Mm -hmm. cut back? The two easiest categories, which is probably fairly obvious, is food and eating out and entertainment. And I'm not talking about like going to the movies all the time, though that is entertainment or going to plays, not that anyone's doing that right now. But with regards to entertainment, it can just be your cable bill. Look at your cable bill. That was the one of the first things I cut. It was $168, I believe. And I just completely cut it out. And I got Netflix and it was like $9.98 at the time or something like that. That's all I had for months and months and months until I got where I was going. That's a great one. We did. I, we just did that. We had satellite TV with mm-hmm. DVRs everywhere and, you know, you had to pay more for every one. And we just got rid of all of them mm-hmm. and went to streaming only. And it, it's amazing how much that saved. Exactly. And if this is a small fee attached to a lot of cable is you're typically renting the modem and you can buy an inexpensive modem and return the modem to the cable company and that fee will drop off. So if you do decide to keep your cable, that's a good little tip. And like I said before, the food, a lot of people spend a lot of money on food and they're unaware of it. Those are two big ones. I keep a monthly budget. I actually use a budgeting app from Dave Ramsey Mm -hmm. and every month it tells me how much I spend on food and every month I'm like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. why do we spend so much money on food? And when, before I kept the budgeting app, I had no idea how much money I spent on food. Nope. You're just going and spending money on groceries. And Mm -hmm. when you can really see that number, then it actually becomes a game with me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to shave a hundred dollars this month off of my food budget. And Mm -hmm. I just play with it constantly to see like, how low can I get it? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a long way from being where I'd like to be, but right. I mean, we like to eat. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always take cash with me to the grocery store. And each week, I go weekly, I take the cash. Any cash I have left over from my grocery budget, I tuck away all year long. And that's my Christmas spending money. Oh, that's a great tip. So it's that a really good motivator is. because you want it bring something home with you from the grocery store. And then you have a nice little bundle of cash waiting for you when the holidays come. You know, you're exactly right about about spending cash versus pulling out that card. It, it's There's just something about 
not wanting to spend the cash versus you just slap down the plastic so easily. A great tip with the plastic is obviously I don't recommend using credit cards, but I have a debit card. Most of us do. And a good tip if you don't want to use cash, because some people don't like carrying cash and that is fine. Use your debit card, but you can make yourself pause if you wrap a rubber band around your debit card before you whip it out. You have to take that rubber band off to swipe it, or you can tape a small picture of what you're working toward, like a little palm tree to represent Hawaii or a picture of your kid, anything like that, just to give you pause before you use that card. That's funny that you said that because I actually ordered my debit card from the bank and it has a beach scene on it. Oh, and there I you go. It while I was saving for a cruise a couple mm-hmm. years ago. So that every time I looked at my debit card, I was like, do I want to pay for this or pay for my cruise? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I also try to always take something out of my grocery cart before I hit the checkout. I That's re- great. Like reevaluate. Yeah. Reevaluate. Did I really need that second box of cookies? Probably not. One thing that a lot of people have suggested recently for cutting your grocery spending is to have like the kind where you submit your order and then you drive up and they bring it out to you and you're mm-hmm. not even going in the store. That's a great tip. Yes. Uh-huh. You're less likely to have those impulse buys. You know? Yeah, I needed to do that yesterday. I Did actually you? was like... My husband's not working right now. And I was like, okay, how can I cut my grocery bill a little bit this month? And so I thought, well, I've been working a ton and I would normally just Instacart an order. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to go to the store. I have to go out anyway. But let me just tell you, the impulse buys. By the time I got home, I was like, okay, I told my husband, I was like, you know, I should have Instacarted that because it would have been cheaper than going to the store. Because you walk in, they've got the displays. I was like, oh, that wasn't on my list, but I need that. And I mean, next thing I know, I was making an entire meal yesterday that was not on my radar when I walked into the store. (laughs) Yeah. The key is having a plan and sticking Uh to it. And if that plan is have them bring it out to your car or to your house, Mm -hmm. that might be your best. It's also a matter of knowing what type of personality you are. Some people can just go and stick to their list and others know, hey, I'm going to succumb to that little impulse buy. So it's about knowing yourself. Yeah. Well, as far as like making a, a, um, a budget, how do you go about structuring that? Like, do you allocate every little expense in advance? And then do you tell people like, that's it, they just stick with it. And if they run out of money, they just don't get to spend it that month. Because I think that's something that people really stress out about was like, well, what if I say I'm going to spend $200 on this, and then I run out in the middle of the month, what will I do? And I think that prevents people from really, like committing to a budget. So Mm -hmm. what is your tip for that? Like, how do you get people to, you know, not feel like they are what's the word constrained um, maybe constrained, constrained by yeah. the budget and and can't make a change how do you encourage people to be able to be flexible while staying within their spending constraints okay well a budget first and foremost is awareness so you have to be aware of what you're spending and what you have coming in but i also let people know if you're new to budgeting it's going to take several months before you remember all the little expenses that pop up all month. Let's say a client will say, well, I'm going to spend $500 on food for the month and there's a week left in the month and they've already spent $500. Well, that's okay. This is a learning process. So we know next month we need to watch the food budget more and or budget a little bit more taking from another category, but it's very 
fluid the first couple months because it takes a while to really know what you're spending if it if it's new to you. So that's a lot of people will say, well, I just can't do a budget after one month and just give up. It's a process. It takes a while to find out what works for you. If you're whatever you're doing, if you're trying to organize your house or if you're trying to lose weight or if you're learning to cook, everybody has different methods. So it's a matter of finding what works for you. But knowing that if you screw up that first month, it's okay. It's a learning process. Right. So there's a learning curve of a couple of months. Oh, absolutely. And probably just really learning your spending habits Mm -hmm. and, and you're really, I don't think people have any grasp of their outgoing expenses truly. Oh no. A lot of times, you know, that first month is just mean, maybe just tracking your spending. Mm-hmm. And, and seeing where then, it's really going because people absolutely. probably if they put everything in categories and you know like when I'm paying my online bills and it has a place for the category I don't click that but I probably should I should start clicking the category so I could see where it's really going you can do that yeah but for me personally I don't track like clothing and beauty products and that kind of thing my beauty products are lobbed in with my food budget Okay. Clothing is lobbed in with my miscellaneous spending, Mm -hmm. like extra stuff. So sometimes it's a matter of grouping stuff together. So it's less to keep track of because if you have 15 categories, that could be overwhelming for people. So if you can kind of cluster stuff together, it tends to be a little easier to focus on. That makes sense because some months you might not need to spend any money on clothes, but you might have more gifts you need to buy versus, you know, another month might be the complete opposite. Yeah. And it's okay to have like just a discretionary fund as well. And I was glad I had that because when I started budgeting, I got to the holidays where I had my car insurance, which I hadn't budgeted in. I don't know how I managed to forget it, but I also had my Costco membership come up and my AAA was all in the same month. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I totally forgot about these expenses, but I did have a little discretionary fund that could take care of that stuff. But now I budget for it. So it takes a while. So the the first thing that you do then, I guess, is after they identify the goals and set up the budget, they're trying to I guess first, at first, try to live within their means so that they're not spending more than is coming in every month. And then ideally. They work on the, yeah, it's ideally, and then they're working on bringing down the debt. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what are your tips for bringing down debt? Are you a fan? Like what method is, do you like to like tackle that? I know there's different methods out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people who believe in the snowball method. And then there's people yep. who believe that you pay your highest interest debt first. So like what method do you find to be the most useful? I am a proponent of the snowball effect. You pay off that smallest amount first because it really is about motivation and keeping going. So you pay off that little one first and then you just roll it into the next. I highly recommend that. Explain the whole snowball effect or the the whole snowball method. I've, I've heard it explained, but Some of our listeners probably have not. Sure. So let's say you have three debts. You have a $1,000 debt, a $5,000 debt, and a $10,000 debt. So you're going to make your minimum payments on the five dollars and $10,000 debt. And anything extra that you can pay on the $1,000, you're going to focus on paying that off first. And then once that's paid for, you're going to take the money you were spending or paying off the $1,000 debt, you're going to put that toward the 5000 and pay that down 
while still paying the minimum on the $10,000. And when the $5,000 debt is gone, it all rolls into the $10,000 debt and it starts to just snowball one right. right after another. Okay. So speaking of debt versus savings, mm-hmm. uh, people always ask, well, should I be saving or should I be paying debt? Because you don't make very much interest on savings. So would that money be better off paying off debt that has high interest on it? So what? how do you tackle that? I believe you really do need to have some savings in case of emergencies. An emergency fund, most people have heard that term, have an emergency fund for things that do come up, have that kind of squirreled away, and then pay off your debt. Because you don't want to have all your money going towards your debt with no emergency fund, because then you're going to whip out that credit card when the emergency pops up and you're going to have more debt. Okay. So it's build up a, an emergency fund and get that to where if you have some large ticket items come up, you have a cushion to pay for those and then start concentrating on paying down your debt is what I, is what you are saying? Yes. Okay. And um, then like, what would you say is the best way to, so while you're paying down your debt and say you've already looked and you think it's going to take, you know, five years to pay your debt off. Is there tips and tricks that you have to like whittle down that debt while paying less interest? Or is there ways, do you have any tips that you give people as far as renegotiating debt or anything like that? I haven't run into like the renegotiating. Absolutely. You can call up. It depends on who the debt's with. Is it a credit card company? Is it a car loan? Is it a student loan? You can call and find out if the interest rate could be lowered. Sometimes they can, sometimes they can't. And just getting a hold of somebody can be difficult. So I just focus on just trying to get it paid off as quickly as possible. Okay. And then, so somebody actually wrote in and they want to know, what is your best method to get out of living the paycheck to paycheck cycle? Mm Mm-hmm. Paycheck to paycheck is a struggle because most Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Having a budget is important. Limiting your spending, trying to get your income up. It's a matter of really finding where the discrepancy is. Like I spoke about earlier, the expenses versus the income. Which one do you need to work on first? and just being really aware of where your money's going. And if you can squirrel away some money, assuming you have no debt, that will give you a buffer. Even if it's just like $25, $50 a month for the first couple months, that will give you some peace of mind and motivation to keep going, because that is very hard. I've been there. It's not a fun situation at all, but it does take work and intention. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's key. You know, the key seems to be just really being honest with yourself of what's actually going out and where does it need to go? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, once you realize that, you're like, wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think really just getting it on paper and seeing it, you know, seeing those real numbers, looking at your income and then looking at your expenditures. And if your expenditures are more than your income, then that's a real issue. You're gonna, you have to make a cut. You have to do it. And even if you're not living to paycheck, just, and you still have money at the end of the month, that's great. But where is the money going? Could you be doing more with that money? Right. 
Right. And I know it's so funny. I look back, you know, at my life 10 years ago, and I actually was looking at some tax returns. And I'm like, you know, I was doing pretty well back then. And I have nothing to show for it. Where did my money go? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really just have become really more conscious of like, okay, is this something that 10 years from now I'm going to be like, wow, I sure am glad I made that purchase. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's gotten to the point where, you know, it's like even just buying clothes. I'm like, well, I mean, like, where would I really wear that? Yeah, that's cute. But where would I wear it? And mm-hmm. why do I need that? Exactly. And it just really stopping that. Oh, that's cute. I want it. I need it it's in style or whatever. And um, really thinking like, do I really need this? Where would I wear this? What occasion would I wear this? Right. I mean, I know people who have clothes hanging in their closet with tags hanging on them. Oh yeah, I do too. Because it was on sale. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, just because it's on sale doesn't mean it's a good deal. You could save even more money by not buying it at all. That's right. right. Exactly. I saved 100%. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Another good question to ask yourself, if you're just wanting to buy something, how many hours do you have to work to pay for that? Oh, I do Are that. You really willing to do that? That's mm-hmm. a great question. You know, I've got a 21 year old son who has <laughs> been on his own for almost a year now. And by the time this comes out, it'll be over a year, but he's having that same struggle. Uh-huh. You know, like he's yeah. working these low paying jobs and, <laughs> you know, figuring out, oh my gosh, it takes me, you know, three hours to earn enough mm-hmm. money to pay for that. That's not worth it. And it's it's fun watching him figure it out. I mean, it's hard also Mm -hmm. watching him figure it out. But he also just realized what you mentioned at the beginning, that sometimes you need to to get more income. Yeah. Because he was working a a very low paying job and he's just he's he's going out of his comfort zone and starting a new job Mm -hmm. that's going to pay better. He did it's not what he wanted to do, but he he knew he could not match up how much he was spending and how much he was making. So he had to figure out a way to work more and work smarter. Mm It's a lesson we all have to learn. At least he doesn't want to go into debt. That's, a, That's a, a very good one thing. thing we have really taught him well and his, his older brother. They've both learned the lesson of not going into debt, which I think is huge. huge. I'm so glad yes. that we've communicated that well to both of them because, you know, he doesn't have any credit cards and he's not charging it up to live the lifestyle. He just, if he does, can't pay for it, he's like, well, I can't buy any gas. <laughs> yep. So very important. And I think a lot of parents, that is a concern for their kids. They have gotten into that vicious paycheck to paycheck cycle and that, you know, pay off debt cycle and refinance this cycle. And so that was a question a lot of our community members asked was like, do you know of any resources that parents can use to help teach their school age and high school children about money management? And how do you like instill that in them when they're young? And like, what, like, what is the most important lesson to teach your kids about money. Do you have any suggestions? Personally, because I do have a son, we talk about money. A lot of people don't like to talk about money. We talk about money. I mean, he's known for many years now. We just can't go out and willy-nilly buy something because mom has to go to work or do this in order to get the money. I think really just being open about it, you just can't whip out the credit card and get whatever. Right. And work with them. My son's 12. And when he was 11, we were saving up for vacation. 
And so I would do my budget. I do my budget every two weeks and we would do the budget and I would show him, okay, this is how much money is going into the vacation fund. Those little things, just getting them involved so they're aware of it Mm -hmm. is very important. With that being said, I did want a class for him and he hasn't done it yet. He's getting it for Christmas. But Dave Ramsey has a foundations in personal finance for middle schoolers and high schoolers. So I got him that. Oh, that's great. Yes. And once he completes it, I'm going to give him a little bit of cash. That's good. Is it like an online class or is it a book? Okay. No, it's an online class. And I actually think it's on sale right now with the holidays, but I can't speak from experience, but I think he'll enjoy it. Uh And I think that could be a good learning tool for people. I think letting the kids have a chance to manage the money for oh, themselves yeah. is also very important. Not gonna, I mean, this was way back in the day because my boys are, you know, 21 and 22. But when they were young, we had like a little, they each had their own account and I kept mm-hmm. it in a checkbook register and they got an allowance and anything they wanted had to come out of that. So they could see, you know, exactly how much they had and what happened if they spent it willy nilly or if they saved up for something, you know, I know now they have all sorts of apps that do that for you. It was, it's funny to have them saved in a drawer to go back and look at how they, they saved up and what they chose to spend their money on. Oh, that's fun. I think it's important too, that parents really realize like your kids are watching you and they're listening to you and they are looking at your behavior. And this is kind of a funny story. A friend was telling me, her daughter wanted something. Her daughter was like nine or 10 years old and at the time. And she, and she wanted something. And she said, you know, I, I want this thing. And her mom's like, oh, I can't get that for you. I don't have the money right now. And she said, well, just charge it. And she said, I don't have any money on my charge card. And her daughter says, well, just recharge it. <laughs> we charge everything, right? right. Like, yeah. Know? And so she just knew the word charge and she didn't really know what that meant. And she was just like, charge your credit card back up and use it, mom. Sounds and good. Like, it's right? it's Let's such do an it. ambiguous thing, you know, with money now, because I don't even think kids see physical money. I mean, I don't ever use money. I don't want to carry it downtown. So I got out of the practice of carrying money like in out work years and years ago. And so I like if I ever have cash, it's surprising. It's because I returned something and they gave me cash and didn't put it back on my debit card. So I don't use money. And um, I don't know a lot of people who really just carry money anymore. And so it's not real. Right. That's right. The, and, that's the trick of it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's true for adults, too, is we've lost that It doesn't grasp. feel real. You know, you click that, Correct. put in your card on Amazon, you click, 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 and then boop, and then it shows up and you didn't even have to touch a card, even a card, and it just shows up. And then you're like, wow, look at how much I spent on Amazon this month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did used to do, a, well, I used to do this by necessity, and then I started doing it as like a game. You know, when I was young and struggling single mom, I would have 50 bucks to go to the grocery store, and I would have to take a calculator, and I would have to add everything up as I put it in my cart to make sure, because you don't want to get to the register and not, you know, you don't want to be that person's like, take that out and take that out. So I would add it up as I was going through this grocery store. Well, you know, then money started coming in a little bit better. And I stopped doing that. I just bought what I wanted at the store. But when I really realized how much I was spending on groceries, I got to the point where I'd be like, okay, I'm going to play this game. I'm going to get out of the grocery store for under $150. Yep. 
And I would get my calculator out and I would start adding it up as I put it into my cart. And then you really have to stop and be like, okay, well, do I need that? And do I need the super size pack of that? Right. And um, just really be more conscious about your spending. And then you have less food waste and you're not throwing it away because you're not not buying more than you need. I want to shift gears just a little bit. How do you talk to the people you work with about saving for retirement? Where does that fit in? Some people come and they want to squirrel away more money. So how can you tweak your budget to squirrel away more for more money with retirement and just, you know, you know, they, we have people want to get out of debt. People want to have their financial goals, but don't think about retirement and may not have, you know, a pension plan or, you right. know, how, how do you talk to them about saving for retirement? I do advise them to see a financial planner okay. or a financial advisor so they can open, you know, a traditional IRA or a Roth okay. IRA to go that route speak with somebody that knows what they're doing because that's very important and people that will work with you and start squirreling away that money for retirement because it's all going to come up for us much quicker than we would like it to. So the earlier you do it, the better, but it's never too late. That's very important. Right. Mm-hmm. It's never too late and it's also never too early to start. That's true too. Right. Yep. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. I just think there's a lot of people that they don't realize that that you're going to snap your fingers and you'll be 50, 60 coming on up and you, you're going to have to think about that. So get a plan. So you send someone to a, they're looking for a financial planner. Yeah, a financial planner or a financial advisor. Okay. Okay. So, but it's very important. You want to get out of debt so you can put more right. money into that retirement account. Mm-hmm. And then you you don't want to go into retirement with a mortgage. So maybe the next step is paying off your mortgage because that really reduces what you need when you go into retirement. Right. It's so really multifaceted. Oh, absolutely. You're less, you're paying down your debt, and you're also planning for the future so that you can retire. Yes. Yeah. I want to share just a few of my little money saving tips that I have come across in the last couple of years since I really started working on a budget. And that is every six months you renew your car insurance. Yes. Don't just automatically renew with the company you've already used. Because I really think that every time you are up for renewal, you need to shop like three insurance companies because I've changed my insurance company a couple times in the last few years because I'll go check with a different company and suddenly get a better rate. And six months earlier, maybe I didn't get a better rate, but now all of a sudden I have a better rate with them. And I don't hesitate to switch. Insurance is something we always have to pay for. And we spend thousands of dollars a year on insurance. So you want to get the best rate on that. I have a tip for that also. If you have an insurance broker, that's what I do. I I have an insurance broker that is, they have a local company and they shop it for me. Like they, every year, look and see where I can get the best rate. Yeah, they can check them all. They check them all. Auto insurance. If you pay off your car, you can automatically lower your car insurance. Ooh, that's I forgot about that. We just paid off yes. my husband's truck. <laughs> yes, call him up. He'll yeah. save some money. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's good to know. And then my other tip is I know you're not a fan of credit cards, but I have a PayPal credit card where it's like six months, same as cash. So 
my thing when I ran across with my insurance company last time I paid was if I wanted to pay monthly, I was going to have to pay like $400 more over the, over the six month term. And I'm like, this is crazy. But I also didn't have the thousand dollars I needed to pay my insurance. So I'm, I was like trying to, I was like really scratching my brain. Like, how can I do this and not pay more? It's that whole, like, if you have money, you can get ahead a little bit better than the person who doesn't have That's money. That's very true. Right. And I was like, this just doesn't even seem right. So I was like, really, like, how can I get around paying that $400. And I remembered that I had this PayPal credit card that has six months, same as cash. So I paid my insurance with my PayPal credit card. And then I went into my PayPal app and I set up to take out one sixth of the total Mm -hmm. every month. And it just does it automatically. I never see it. I don't have to do it. It just takes it out of my checking account, just as if my insurance company was going to pull it out of my checking account. You saved $400 and paid zero interest. Yes. That's a great tip. Yes. I do the same thing with my auto insurance. Every month I have a little taken out and then when Mm -hmm. it's due, I have it ready to go. Love it. Yeah. See, if I was really smart, I would get ahead and I would just stash that money. But I kept having, I had some unexpected expenses last summer come up. And then when it came time to pay my insurance, I wasn't prepared to pay my insurance. So, and then my other tip is I haven't had TV in a couple of years. I did like you, we just got rid of our cable, didn't want to pay for that anymore. And then I moved and I had to get a new internet provider. And of course, when you first sign up, you get a really great rate and then like after six months, it starts to go up a little bit. And then by a year, it went up a lot. And so I called them and I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Why did my cable, my internet bill just go at $50? And they said, well, you're out of the introductory period. Well, in talking with them, we ended up, they kept telling me, well, if you would bundle. And I'm like, I don't want to bundle. The only thing I want is internet. Well, come to find out, I could get internet and streaming TV for cheaper then I could just get internet, which makes zero sense. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, so you mean to tell me that I get unlimited internet and streaming TV for $50 less a month, then I can just get internet? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Sign me, no up. Sign me up, whatever. Also, if you call to cancel, they find all sorts of amazing deals. Because when I called to cancel my satellite, they had yep. these amazing deals. I'm like, where were those? I wouldn't be calling to cancel, but I still canceled. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, really call your service providers that you have for everything. And just really look. I mean, even your cell phone provider changes their rate plan and you can look and often like I can log on and be like, oh, I can get the same thing for $10 less a month now. And you just change your plan up. Yeah. So stay on top of it. Like, don't believe like, don't ever get comfortable thinking that like, this is just how much you pay for this. Right. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. you can negotiate something better. Well, Amy, is there anything that we haven't covered that you wanted to get in there before we go? I would just like to speak to those people that don't think that they can do a budget, you can. It's just a matter of finding what works for you. Don't tell yourself that you're not good with numbers. You can do it. It's just really about your mindset. You got to take hold and really put some time in it to find out what's going to work for you to just give yourself the freedom to not worry about money anymore. 
That's wonderful advice. Mindset is just there underneath everything, isn't it? Everything. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and if you would have asked me three years ago, if I thought budgeting would be fun, I would have been like, no. But I actually have so much fun when I do my budget mm-hmm. and then at the end of the month and I look and I see how much I have left over and I put it towards a, a debt. Yeah. It feels so good. It does feel very great. satisfying. And we all like those little wins. Thank you for being with us today, Amy. Yes, I was just tickled to speak with you guys. Thank you. You're welcome. Before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast, Sunlight and Saunas. They are a number one doctor and consumer recommended brand. Only Sunlight and Saunas are medical grade, clinically backed, and proven to be 95 to 99% effective. This is why Sunlighten is used and recommended by more health experts and consumers over any other sauna brand. Dedicated to offering the most effective wellness solutions available, their patented solo carbon heating technology is the foundation for their saunas. It is the only far infrared heater on the market clinically shown to raise core temperature, lower blood pressure, and aid in weight loss, which those are things we're all looking for, right, Sherry? Yes. Absolutely. So I have a sunlight and sauna that I just got. And, you know, I suffer through the cold months. Sherry does as well. So anything that can raise my core temperature and help my body, you know, deal with toxins and other other health benefits that go along with the sauna, I'm thumbs up on that one. Yep. Yeah, I know. I'm very excited. I have room in the little corner of my garage. I got a three-person sauna. That's what they recommended for me because they said both my husband and I could get in it and spread out. You know, they have a two-person sauna, but you'll be sitting pretty close together. But so I got a three-person so we can get in there together and have some room to lounge. But they have all different sizes depending on the amount of space. They even have like a little unit that you can get in um, that just plugs into a regular plug and you just kind of climb inside of it and it stores out of the way. So no matter how big or small your space is, there's a sauna for you. If you go to lifelessonscommunity.com, there's a link for Sunlighten on the Shop With Us tab and you'll find the many different sizes and options that will fit your space no matter how much space you have and you will not be sorry. Next, we have a segment that we call our listener-led lesson. It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. And today's listener-led lesson comes from Sarah Gennario. She's a member of our Facebook community, and she has a tip regarding sick children. She says, parents of littles, we used to keep a notepad in my daughter's room. When she wasn't feeling well, we noted what medicine she had been given and what time. We also would note her temperature if she had vomited or had diarrhea, et cetera. All the notes regarding her illness. That way, when exhaustion hits, you don't have to try to remember. And if the other parent got up, you don't have to second guess what the other parent did and what medicine has been given and when. That's a great great tip. Yeah. Just write it down and there you've got it. But you're right. When two people are taking care of the child and one's asleep and you just have it right on your notepad. Great idea. At the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. Today's is shared by Randy Bradshaw, and it's not a quote, but a story that was written by a motivational speaker. His name is Todd Hymas, and this was written in regards to an accident that he had that left him paralyzed. He wrote, 
The first police officer reaches under the one-ton bale of hay and attempts to lift it off of me. Of course, it doesn't budge. He grabs his flashlight and shines it under the hay into my face. I blink. He yells over his shoulder to his partner. He's alive. He's alive. Help me move the hay. Even working together, two officers can't move it. Not a fraction of an inch. A thousand pounds each? Of course they can't move it. Cut the springs, I whisper. My voice is weak. They can't hear me. I am not going to last much longer. If they will just cut the strings, the bale will break apart and they can drag me out of here. Lift, Joe, lift. Just cut the strings, I mumble. Please cut the strings. Come on harder, they yell. It's too heavy. We can't lift it. We got to go for help. Hang on, Chad. We'll be right back. I am alone in the growing darkness. Wonderful, painless, peaceful, irresistible sleep beckons me. I struggle to remain conscious. One, two, three, four. Where are they? How long does it take for police, fire, and ambulance to arrive? Where's the Coast Guard? Where are the Marines? Where's that one old farmer with enough common sense to just cut the strings? The desert air grows chilly as the sky darkens, and I grow weaker. Dizziness overcomes me, and I begin to drift off into that gray space somewhere between the living and the dead. Help finally arrives. One of the police officers bends down so I can see his face. Hold on, a fire engine is here. There are six men aboard. I do the math. Two big, strong cops and six burly firemen must move a ton of dead weight off me. That's 245 pounds each. No way can they possibly do that. But somehow, miraculously, they do. A couple of neighbors who have arrived at the scene stand by to catch me. They lower my limp body to the ground where I lie in a broken heap. Why didn't they cut the strings? They could have saved a tortured long hour. How heavy is hay? A piece of hay is about the weight of a feather. How many pieces of hay does it take to make 2,000 pounds? Lots. That package of 16 bazillion individual pieces of hay wrapped in a gigantic bundle is a crushing weight. But separated, it would have been nothing. I feel bad saying this because it makes me sound ungrateful. And I am very grateful to the guys who saved my life that night. But there is a point to be made here, isn't there? Is it too big? Is it overwhelming? Cut the strings. Just cut the strings. Are you buried under crushing burdens, projects that are too huge, schedules that are too complicated? Maybe you're trying to do too much at once, trying to do everything instead of doing something. Cut the strings and cut yourself free. Do one thing at a time and get it done. Move out of the strain of the doing into the peace of the done. Wow. That's powerful. That is very powerful. Cut the strings. Yeah. That is something I'm going to have to remind myself when I'm trying to do it all and getting frustrated and not getting anywhere. You ever work so hard and don't get any progress done? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Cut the strings. Cut the strings. All right. That was great. So everybody, thank you for joining us today. If you haven't done so already, join our Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. We'll love to see you there. Um, Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcast app. And that way you automatically get new shows every week. They just download automatically to your device. Also, we'd love for you to leave a review, particularly on Apple iTunes, so that we can reach others. Those reviews really help. Um, Do you have a story to share? for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you, or, you know, just some feedback, something you'd like to hear on an upcoming episode, email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.